0: Dear Lord, this morning as we come to you in prayer, on behalf of others, we thank you for the privilege to even do so. We pray for the lost. Lord, you, you say they are lost because they have yet to see and understand the truth of the gospel that we are blinded by sin, and that your word and your truth is, is a light, that Jesus Christ the light of the world. I pray that those that we may see come to faith in Christ, that you may open their eyes and you may soften their hearts that they may repent and believe. And we thank you for the evangelists here this morning who would take a moment of their day to share the gospel with with someone. I pray that we may be burdened for the lost and have compassion on them that evangelism is a great honor and pleasure and not simply a duty. We do pray this in our Lord Jesus. Amen. This morning we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy, as you know, has been a book about doing church in times of suffering. Paul, at his uh, imminent execution, wrote this final letter to, says his son in the faith, Timothy, exhorting him and encouraging him in some final words and noting all the tribulation and the suffering that would beset a pastor, and the church, and the believers therein, and what we can learn, as Paul writes to this church in times of suffering. But chapter 4, as we draw closer to the end, he writes some final, all-encompassing words. If you could formulate your last words, what would that be? Would it be a warning to not go down the same paths as you did? Would it be an encouraging um, uh, piece of advice to a younger generation? Would it be uh, final words of affection and love to those you care about? What would your final words be? Here are some famous quotes that people have said uh, about the deathbed and on their deathbed, they said, no one on their deathbed said, I wish I had spent more time on my business. Yeah, okay, that's true. But I certainly think people said that when they committed suicide after the stock market crash. People, dozens of people, could be seen moments after the stock market crash, jump from hundred-story buildings in Wall Street, because their entire um, life's work is uh, is gone. They would have liked to spend more time on their business, and that's why they ended their lives. So that that's not hundred percent right. Let's. What about another one? If I could give. One piece of advice, to live your life well, uh, somebody said this, remember, it is not the things that we do that we regret, but it is the things that we do not do. Okay, interesting idea. this is some truth in that. P- perhaps the people on death row would have some regrets, and it, and it wouldn't be, I wish I had gone to Disneyland they would have regretted the things they did. <clears throat> so these are nice sentiments, but that's all it is, is—sentiments. If we really had to give thought to our last words, <coughs> what would it be? Here in 2 Timothy, we see the, Apostle's Paul, the Apostle Paul's essentially last words. <coughs> and we... We can learn a thing or two. He summarizes and encompasses the responsibilities of a pastor or, or the essence of being a pastor. And, um, and let's look at that. Firstly, uh, we're going to read our passage and then pray once again. And then we'll look at the responsibilities of a pastor and the encouragement to the believers. And we're reading from verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Dear Lord, I thank you that we can learn from final words of Paul, and and be encouraged and convicted to continue in the course that you have set before us, amen. So in verse verse 5, we see three things. We see Paul tell Timothy uh, in a very specific uh, way, uh, um, watch thou in all things, endure affliction do the work of an evangelist and make foolproof of thy ministry. Let's go through it. Watch in all things, to be a watchman at a gate as the first line of defense. The, The Bible uses this illustration in many different contexts, but it's always connected to the idea of being sober and being vigilant and being on guard and being ready. But it... It extends then to the responsibility of of a pastor. I want to read Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seventeen, and it also talks about a pastor being on watch. And I want us to connect these two verses. Hebrews thirteen, verse seventeen says, "Obey them." that have rule over you and submit yourselves. It says, for they watch for your souls as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This is a, a very informative piece of scripture, and I believe it does um, very well sit beside our passage this morning. There's a famous quote, it says, it is a perilous responsibility for a man to have to give account for others' deeds. And even though we are not sufficient to give account for our own, The duty of your posture is is one of great gravity, and it is not in the sense of watching um, only to guard when the threat is imminent, but as a shepherd (coughs) watches his flock, it encompasses all that responsibility you don't graze next to the lion's den you seek out the safe paths not the perilous ones you find the safe places to graze you avoid the dangers and so it says <laughs> to not grieve this this the people that will give account for your soul one day that they may do it with joy the idea there to submit is it's in the non-negative to to say you know what i'm resistant against my pastor's advice even though i know he's god-fearing and he loves the bible and he loves the lord against my Flesh, <laughs> I must submit to his counsel. That, um, that the duty of a pastor, it, it, it gets heavy. And we see that in verse 5 of our main text, it says, to watch in all things and then to endure afflictions to suffer hardships. You know, there are different extremes of that. We only need to open a voice of the martyrs and see the afflictions that the persecuted church faces. When the government cracks down on churches, it's the pastor that goes to jail (laughs) and gets executed. And uh, we we do grieve with the family of those men but they stand responsible there. We don't experience affliction in in that sense, but your pastor is at the front door of that church, essentially protecting you from what is outside. In a metaphorical sense, If affliction would come on this country today we have to meet that conflict before anyone else. And there was conflict in Paul's time. The persecution under Nero was greatly intensified and it ebbed and flowed from the emperors after that. But for a near constant 400 years, the church would suffer and die for their faith. And overwhelmingly, <laughs> the pastors gladly and faithfully took that punishment. And so the afflictions here are very real, but the word does encompass much more than just physical affliction, hardship, and um and everything that accompanies that. It says to do the work of an evangelist. Now we read in Ephesians of the offices, pastor, evangelist, uh, and so forth. But certainly a, a pastor um, cannot be one without also doing. Uh, the encompassing work of an evangelist as well. And we see it there, that the office of a pastor includes that. The Lord says that we are to uh, make disciples and to teach the Word and, and baptize. And um, and this is not a, a once-off endeavor or a shot in the dark. You know, there's someone else that famously said, um, we go out and we share the gospel and... Um, and people become born again, but all we've done is make orphans because then we leave that country and there is no church there, there is no pastor there, there is no one to shepherd those souls. The long-term efforts of a pastor is connected with the idea of sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ. And then bringing them in and discipling them and growing them and nurturing them in the word. Second um, Timothy chapter 2 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Just on the, the previous one there. <clears throat> we don't have to turn there, that's, um, it's just a cross reference. Um, to endure hardship as a soldier, it adds detail there. To make full proof of his ministry, it says in verse 5. In other words, to fulfill his ministry. We don't think about the calling of uh, full-time ministry in that sense. Sometimes we consider it as, okay, we're called to full-time ministry. And we're just tossed into the fray and just just do the things, you know, try and make a dent. We're we're not assembly line workers that um, that put the pieces together, and the job of an assembly line worker is is, uh, is something to be commended, because. Um, but but that's not what describes pastoral ministry. The Bible refers to a calling a full-time ministry with a mission. There is a goal. There is an objective. So each person individually that is called to the ministry has a purpose that God has set before them. It says so here, to fulfill your ministry, he encourages Timothy. And he says, as I fulfilled mine in Acts Barnabas said they had fulfilled their ministry and returned to Antioch. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, um, uh, And say to him, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. That letter was written to the congregation. In other words, Paul said, You guys... Say to him the person that is in full-time ministry take heed which thou hast rec- uh, the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord that thou fulfil it. In other words, encourage this person to continue in the ministry and fulfil it. And he gave that responsibility to the congregation to make full proof of thy ministry. We don't know what that goal ultimately is but the lord does set us on the correct path pastor david i believe followed his calling i believe pastor stambiso ministering in spring valley is fulfilling his ministry and me ministering up here Is fulfilling my ministry. I see Pastor David doing what his heart for many years had longed to do. There wasn't a job in America for what he's doing now. He shared his vision with the people there and they created it for him because they saw the need. And to, to acknowledge that Pastor David was obedient to the Lord, and that is uh, where his objective lies. And it's easy for us to be resentful if we think that pastoral ministry is just wherever you are, um, just get on with it. But the Lord's redemptive plan and, and his uh, sovereign will is much more uh, minute and intricate. So to make full proof of thy ministry, these are the the, the essences of being a pastor. And um, you know it's it's not easy. And I <laughs> I would like to say and look at these and 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 say you know what just go easy on us. <laughs> but actually. You should do the opposite. You should be stricter on us because we are responsible for your souls. And that strictness isn't a whip at our back. We could go a long way with some encouragement. For the congregation to consider the needs of their pastor, physically emotionally and spiritually for your sake says in hebrews that he may do it with joy this year has not always been that i have been i have been kicked (laughs) when i was down i've been uh, i've been hurt Um, but i thank you to those who have stood beside me and, and encouraged me to continue. It means more than you can, than you can know. And Pastor Stimbiso, I'm sure he will wholeheartedly agree. The encouragement of the congregation is so, um, so wonderfully needed. Please don't be indifferent to the health of your pastor for your sake. For the sake of those around you, um, but he doesn't end there. He gives some encouragement to Christians in general, uh, to um, believers at large. <clears throat> in verse six, uh, he he mentions um, because I am. <laughs> I am leaving you. I am, this is my my final goodbye. My departure is at hand. And he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept my faith. To fight a good fight, listen to First Timothy chapter six, and he repeats this sentiment. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession. If we, we use the illustration walking with the Lord, right? <clears throat> now, it's going to tie into finishing the course, but <clears throat> it's less of a leisurely stroll and more of an obstacle course. If we had to be more biblically accurate, what does walking with the Lord look like? Like an obstacle course. There will be people and circumstances we must contend with to hold onto our faith. The world is not going to make being a Christian easy. The Lord Himself, in, in John 16, says to the disciples, They will hate you because they hated me first. That the true gospel is offensive because it tells us to repent of our sins, to to turn away from our, our worldly lusts and desires and to place our faith for eternal salvation in Christ. It says that we should count the costs. A gospel that promises easy living and wealth and health and prosperity is a false gospel. So, a Christian walk requires us to fight and contend even with the great adversary who... To finish the course, in Hebrews chapter 12 again... It says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's referring to all the testimonies of all the the, um, the people in Scripture that have walked with God and have achieved great things in obedience to the Lord. Those witnesses in Scripture, let us lay aside every weight and sin which thus so easily Beset us, and let us run with patience the race set before us. You know, running versus, uh, versus fighting, it's ultimately a, a, a test of oneself. Who has trained their body the hardest? Who has disciplined themselves the most? Who has um, mentally prepared themselves Um, the most effectively for the race that they're about to run. That is the competition. Because there's nothing you can do to, to hinder your opponents. You simply have to run the fastest. And so it comes down to a test of a lifetime of dedication and training. To finish the course requires dedication and effort. And it says that don't be weighted down because it would hinder the race. In First uh, Corinthians, uh, he talks about this, uh, this prize as well. For, uh, chapter 9, know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. It's not saying that only one of us will win. <laughs> but if you win the same prize, whether you finish last or whether you finish first, what would your attitude to that race be? Oh, I can. I, I. don't have to run as fast as the next guy. I, can, I don't have to train. We're all going to win, so I just, you know, leisurely stroll to the finish line. Paul makes a distinguishment that, yes, we win because we finish, but we must run as though we finish first. Otherwise, we won't finish at all. He says in verse 8, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, give me at that day. In the uh, ancient Greek um, Olympics and in athletic contests like that, they would uh, make a wreath of olive uh, branches that would fit on a person's head. It wasn't gold. It wasn't. You know a solid gold medallion or anything but it had one purpose it had one meaning glory this man won he's the best look at the wreath on his head the crown of glory because that is what is symbolized and to have that um it didn't have to be made of gold it was as valuable to the person that won it. This is the crown that Paul is talking about, the prize for winning the race. It doesn't say exactly what that is, but it is something that we hope for. And and, uh, and we pray for the rest of The book, we will look at that next week, is some final exhortations to individuals and his greetings and his conclusionary statements, which we can also learn from. But for me, from verse 5 to 8 is really the final words of Paul. To his pastor son, remain encouraged. It's going to get tough and to the congregation remain encouraged because it's going to get tough. You know what does finishing the course look like in your lives this morning? Perhaps you're at home, you're single and you you look after an elderly lady in the evenings. Wouldn't it be easy to just to just give up to uh to just live selfishly after so many years, I've cared for this person for so long, and I've gotten nothing for it, no reward. It would be easy to just quit, but to continue in faith and godliness and piety, that would be that would be finishing the course. What about? In your careers, and you are constantly bombarded by, um, by the pressure to give a bribe or to accept a bribe or to do things uh, unethically so that you can pad the bottom line. And the Bible says that our Christian faith is those are the, the places where it matters. Wouldn't it be easy to, to just say, well, if I don't do this, we might make a loss, and then I'll be in trouble, and my job might be at risk. God will understand. No, I, I think he says it's going to get tough. And to finish the course, to fight the good fight. What does it look like in your life when you're on the brink of giving up? and doing things the way of the world, what would it take to just finish? So there are two separate things here. To care, encourage your pastor. We need it. We're we're human. And to continue in the motivation that we can win a crown of glory. Let us pray. Lord. We do do thank you for your encouragement, for your wisdom from your scriptures. As Paul lived a lifetime of faithfulness, we look to examples like this to endure affliction, and he did, to suffer discouragement as he did, and so many others. May we look to you, and continue and finish our course. And we thank you for godly, faithful men who, who follow the call of ministry and, and serve in the capacity that you have laid before us. Dear Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name, Amen.